0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: This is the Frey
0: Podcast, brought to you by thefray.com,
1: a place for women who want more from life. This is what I want.
0: This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. Oh, you got-
1: Today's podcast is all about routines. Now, in the past I have recorded episodes where I speak about ways to establish a morning routine that works for you and that gives you back some of the things you enjoy. I am a fan of having, you know, a bit of a a bit of an idea on the sorts of things that set you up for a good day ahead, but I'm not a fan of a elaborate extensive, rigid morning routine. And there's so much out there now about how important it is to have that like really refined kind of perfect Instagram wake up morning routine. And I probably have contributed to that at times, (laughs) you know, like if I share a reel of me going over to the beach for a swim and having a coffee and journaling over at the beach, that could imagine could make someone else feel like, oh shit, I can't do that. So my mornings are no good and I'm lacking and I'm not quite there. But the truth is my mornings vary so much on mornings that I don't have the kids. I have so much flexibility and space because I work for myself. So not only do I not have to operate on what the children need, on getting them to school, getting them breakfast, all of those things, I also have a fairly flexible work schedule, which of course has its own downside. You know, perfect example, I was recording at 5 a.m. this morning because I had to get some audio done before the construction started. But I digress, we're not here to talk about the pros and cons of working at home, but I do have flexibility on those days versus the days that I have the kids, there is a different cadence to our mornings. So what I'm trying to say is there is a lot of rhetoric surrounding morning routines and I do think that a morning routine is valuable. I do think and believe in the power of actually designing what you want to achieve and what you want to feel to set the tone for the day is a really, really positive thing. But I think it can be a fine line. I think it can feel like too much pressure. If you think, oh my gosh, I've got to get up, I've got to journal, I've got to meditate, I've got to d- 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 d-. all these things, and then you can start to resist and resent having to do those things because they feel like some sort of marker for how well you're doing, versus something that you actually want to do because it's giving back to yourself. And so, my intention for recording this podcast today is to encourage you to think about where you are in your current season of life. Do you need a routine that is, you know, a little more rigid, a little more defined because having that container gives you a sense of freedom? It's one of those kind of oxymoron type things of going, being disciplined actually gives you freedom because having that structure then gives you the space to get in the things that are important. A perfect example of this is when the boys were babies and side note, if you have young children, you absolutely have to get them on a routine before you even consider, before you even entertain the thought of whether or not you yourself can have some sort of routine and routine is so good for babies and kids. Check out the kind parenting company, but I digress when the boys were little, I gave myself what I called my hour of power because I knew that they were going to wake up at 7 a.m. every day on the dot. I would then get up early. Sometimes it was more than an hour, but at least an hour. And I had this hour of power that really lit me up. It meant that I could get a workout in, I could shower, and I could also do a little bit of work before the whirlwind of having two babies began. And during that time in my life, it felt really important like the most important that I had that time for myself because there are so many things that you can't control when you have young children and also just you know having a partner that at that time had a real like a really rolling type schedule and so that hour of power was so critical to my mental health um and just my overall well-being so I was very disciplined had my alarm, would get up, would go through the motions, but it wasn't something I ever dreaded. I looked forward to it. I would go to bed each night thinking like, oh yes, I've got my hour to myself in the morning, can't wait for it. Now fast forward to the boys being eight and we have a co-parenting dynamic. I don't have any desire to be super rigid and I also don't really have the ability to be very rigid with my morning routine. That's probably what it is. Like there's a bit of surrender there to the fluidity and the flexibility. But one, my kids don't wake up at 7 a.m. on the dot every day anymore because they're not as well-oiled machines as like they were when they were babies, you know. Sometimes one of them might wake up at five and come and get into bed with me and he's all snuggled up to me. So I don't want to have to set an alarm and get out of bed and disturb that Or, you know, I went through a stage um, where both boys were sleeping in my bed with me. Same thing again then, didn't want to disturb them. One might wake up, one might sleep in. That then gives me a chance to have one-on-one time with them. Also, if I go downstairs and I'm in the garage exercising while they're still asleep, I know for sure if one of my boys woke up and he couldn't, like he would know rationally where I was but he would probably panic a little bit that I was down in the garage. So I don't have that hour because when they were babies, they were in their cots, they couldn't get out of their cots till that time. They were so like, like little timers, like you could set your watch by the time that they would wake up. And also it was like a a single story house. So that, like, I feel like that is a different dynamic. But what I'm saying is there are times in your life when a rigid routine gives back. And then there are times in your life when having a rigid routine is more like a marker or a metric that you use to make yourself feel bad because you're not doing it or you don't want to do it and you're forcing yourself to do it. There is a book called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, which has so much buzz around it. And he suggests that a morning routine should contain six things. I've written them down. Where are they? Meditation or prayer, affirmations, visualizations, exercise, reading, and writing are six things that he feels really strongly that people should start their day with. And you can break those down into like, rather than spending 20 minutes on each, you could spend two minutes on each. But even that you know, waking up and having to be like, I've got to do these things, like I've got to do these six things for my miracle morning, can just feel like something else that you need to do. And so many of us already have like a full mental load of the things that we need to take care of. And so while I would say I am a fan of a morning routine, and I do for sure think they are beneficial, I'm not a fan when it feels like that, when it feels like just another thing getting plopped on your already overflowing plate that you have to deal with. So what I want to suggest today, for those of you who this hits, you know, it might land with some of you and not with others, but rather than thinking about a morning routine, thinking about a rhythm to your mornings, because the word routine can kind of incite this like tense feeling in our body where it's like, oh, routine, rigidity, no sense of fluidity, no chance of spontaneity, all of the things. But a rhythm, like a rhythm just feels like, oh yeah, like that's a different cadence. And I remember when I was doing in-home sleep consultations, if I brought up routine to some parents, some parents would automatically go, oh, I'm not a routine person. I don't want to do that. But if we kind of spoke it out a little bit and workshopped it. And I came at it like, what about a rhythm? How do you feel about having a rhythm to your day? Because most people do have a rhythm to their day. Most of us follow similar steps each time that we wake up and move about our day, unless you've got like a really random job that, you know, you're waking up in different places all of the time. Most of us have a similar thing that we do. So changing the word from routine to rhythm might feel more expansive to you. And I would encourage you to think about your existing rhythm. What does your morning look like? What are the things you do without fail most mornings? You may even like to write those things down, which might, it might feel silly, but it might be helpful as well because it just gives you intel on your mornings. What's the first thing you do? Do you grab your phone? Do you scroll? Do you roll over and talk to your partner? Do you go in and get your baby out of his or her cot? Do you, whatever it is, do you go for a walk straight away? Have a little think about the flow of your morning and how does it feel for you? Do you feel as though it is giving you the things that you want? And this is when it's important to be your own expert on yourself because some people need to wake up and really zen out, you know, they need to wake up and go into like a grounding mode you know, connecting with their self or their intuition. Some people need to wake up and have a bit of a kick up the proverbial, but, you know, like maybe it's more like motivation. Higher energy is what's needed. Um, there are so many different feelings that you might want to have to start your day. You know, for me, I like as little resistance as possible. I would say that's like a theme for my morning, Um which really means that that starts the night before, which I'll talk about in a second. But I would encourage you to just think like, what is the tone for the rhythm that you would like to start your day with? Is it having a focus on health? Is it motivation? Is it feeling more grounded? Is it connecting with your partner? Is it um, learning something new? Is it journaling? Is it fun? Have a think about it and then compare it to your current rhythm. And this is where you might need to um, be objective and go, okay, you know what? I could really benefit from having a more disciplined morning. And I think most people will probably feel like they could benefit from having more time in the morning. I don't think there's anyone who's going to be like, you know what? I just need less time. I need to feel a little more rushed. So have a think about how you want to feel and then have a bit of a brainstorm on what sorts of things could give you that feeling. If it's that you want to feel more grounded or more connected to self, could that be that you know you spend five minutes pulling angel cards and seeing what the meaning feels like it is for you? If health is a focus, do you want to develop a morning routine where you exercise before you do anything else? If motivation is a big one, Do you want to find a playlist that really, really lights you up and gets you going? For me right now, one of my biggest things is having silence. When I wake up, I went through a bit of a stage, stage, she says, last couple of years where I would kind of want to fill most silences. You know, I'd wake up and I'd put a podcast on or a playlist on straight away. But now my focus is just waking up and having nothing happen. And that is really, really helpful for me with self compassion because if I have nothing happening, I can then just in those silent, mo- like silent moments between getting up, putting my contact lenses in, going to the bathroom, having a drink of water, and really just breathing and being mindful. That is my cue to check in with myself. And like a big theme for me has just been asking myself, how do I feel? What do I need? And I love that because how do I feel? Like how do I actually feel right now is so important. It's like a beginner's mindset rather than waking up and defaulting to a reactive mode or tapping straight back into emotions from yesterday or what I want to feel in the future. It's like what do I feel now and what do I need now? And sometimes it's like, well, I feel hungry so I need something to eat. Or it's I feel like I need to wake up or I feel sad. I feel tired. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter, but just feeling it because we get so good at drowning it out and drowning it out can come in the form of listening to too many things and filling all of the silences and having that intentional quiet space is one of the things that I can carry through mornings that I do have the kids and mornings that I don't hear me out because I do have eight-year-old twin boys who love to talk and they will talk from the moment, like actually before my eyes even open, the questions will often start. So it's not as though on the days that I have them, I can wake up in perfect solitude for a few minutes, but I have a bit of a rule. It's not a bit of a rule. It's a rule. We don't put the TV on. We don't listen to audiobooks. We don't have anything on. And of course they're going to still talk But I have told them, like, I really value just a quiet start to the day now. We don't need stimulation straight away. Grab some pens, grab your paper, sit over there. I need to make my coffee, like, just quiet. And I mean, we've always had a rule about what time the TV can go on. But I'm really enforcing it. And so rather having, like, these rigid steps that I would like to get done every morning I have a couple of things that I try and do each morning regardless of whether or not I have the kids but they are more um like I tweak them like I tweak them to suit such as I always like to write a list of a morning and just get everything out of my mind that I know needs to be taken care of that day ideal to do it the night before but I also quite like doing it in the morning because then it's like oh I have my clear tasks. I know what's what. I can go about my morning now knowing that I've got this piece of paper to come back to and tick things off. It's just really helpful for my monkey mind. So on the mornings I don't have the kids, that list can be done over at the beach or I can sit out by the pool or I can stretch on the couch or do it in bed and like really take my time. On the mornings, I do have the kids, I still do the list, but it looks more like an interrupted list. I'm doing it a little bit at the kitchen bench. I'm sitting down with them while they're drawing and I'm having my coffee. And one of the boys likes to eat as soon as he wakes up and the other one doesn't want to eat until like 9am at the earliest. He's just not hungry. So whatever, one of them will have breakfast. They'll both draw and I'll write my list. And even the contents, And the reality of that list is so different. On the days I don't have the boys, I am so productive. Like, I think this is a superpower for mums. We can get so much done in so little time. And of course, my list is very work heavy on the days I don't have the boys. But the days that I do have them, it might be like, these are the three emails I need to reply to. I need to do this look like you know, this linen needs to be washed today. I've got this play date happening. I need to return this. I need to organize that. I need to respond to this text message or, you know, I want to wash my hair, like stuff like that that is so inconsequential, like it's really not important, but it helps me to feel like I have a grasp of what needs to get done that day. You know, and I have been doing this since the boys were born because I can remember thinking like, what do I do all day? I know that I'm so flat out and I'm so exhausted. And I just started keeping like a running tab and being like, oh my gosh, look at all of these things that I do. And then feeling successful because I did them. So success is subjective. It's not objective. You get to define what success is for you. So if success looks like You know, the fact that your baby has their nap and you manage to put a face mask on or get the laundry done or whatever it is, that's great. Put it on a list, tick it off, feel successful for achieving it. So I like a quiet start. I love a list. Always a morning coffee. Like that's an essential part of my day. If I can get across the road to the beach, I absolutely will. And that just depends on whether or not both kids wake up at the same time whether or not they want to. Like some mornings, I'll just say we're going across and they can hear in the tone, like my tone of voice that we are. And other mornings, like I just know that it's it's not gonna be worth disrupting them because they're already in their flow state. So I have a rhythm. I have some things that I like to do, but I'm not rigid. And so coming back to those six things that Hal Elrod has suggested everyone should do to start their day Have a little think about those six things. What do you need? And how can you work them into your day? Because a 20-minute meditation followed by 20 minutes of journaling might not be realistic, but one minute of box breathing as you make your coffee could be. And five minutes of making a hit list for the day or answering one journal prompt which you should definitely get the blueprint program from thefray.com because we have journaling prompts in there, which are designed to incite self-reflection and awareness and growth. So you could do five minutes of that and that ticks off the writing component. And, you know, visualization is another one of those. And so maybe you don't have time, you don't have half an hour and you don't want the mental pressure of having to do it to sit there and visualize in whatever way. But if you have a vision board, like I've got a vision board that is in my wardrobe because that's where I sit to straighten my hair or brush my hair or even put makeup on. And so it's just there in my peripheral vision. So I'm not dedicating any time to visualizing, but I'm still kind of getting it in in a low pressure way that works with how I like my day to be. Like I like to sit on the floor in my wardrobe and get myself sorted. So just taking the pressure off, tweaking the things that are important to you, assessing whether or not you need a rigid routine or whether you just need a rhythm.
0: Here's a cool fact.
1: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by
0: Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at
1: uh1.com. The other thing that I would encourage you to think about when it comes to routines is to book end your day. So the term bookending your day is obviously not one that I have invented, but it's one that I really love. And I love it because think of like bookends, you know, something at the beginning, something at the end that holds the book in place. Bookending your day is creating transition periods, right? Because our days are busy. They go, go, go. Um, So having those transition periods are so helpful because As soon as our feet hit the floor, we're not going to go straight to level 100. And same thing at the end of the day. If we've been operating at like a really high, fast pace and then we get into bed and we're asking our body to go to sleep, our body's like, "Uh, no, I need to slow down. I need to ease into it. So creating transition periods at the start and the end of your day is a really nice way to gently ease into having a rhythm. So you've got your morning rhythm there as a bookend. Now, at the end of the day, what can you do to transition from being on to winding down and going into rest mode? An obvious one could be having an electronic shutdown where you get off your phone, your devices, your TV at a certain time, having your evening shower, applying a nice moisturizer, your skincare regime can be part of the transition period. I love sleepwear for this, like just that indication of like, oh, we're entering a different part of our day now because you've taken the work uniform off or the clothes that you've been wearing all day, you've lost the active wear or the corporate outfit, whatever. Um, For me, it's denim shorts. You've taken the denim shorts off, we're entering a different mode of the day and putting something on that feels relaxing for you. So for me, it's a robe like a shower, moisturizer, and a robe just tells all of my senses, all right, Kylie, we're calming down, we're entering a different part of the day. Um, That's helpful. So for you, it could be that's when you put on your really comfy tracksuit or your partner's shirt or your silky pajamas or your sexy sleepwear, whatever it is. But that can be a really nice indicator to your senses that it's now a different part of the day. Now, transition periods are great for all sorts of things. I feel like I always need a transition period when the kids go to their dad's house. Like I can't go straight from dropping them off into work mode or into just individual mode without a bit of a buffer. You know, I will never have something planned at three thirty. The boys go at three PM. At three thirty I never have anything planned other than just like a shower, which is my like my go-to move for transition periods or a beach walk. Like I need either physical movement or a physiological change and being in water is so effective for that. So think about your life. Do you need transition periods? A lot of us have lost transition periods during the pandemic because the commute to and from work is a transition period. I remember when I was hairdressing and when I was a flight attendant, I would need different things from the drive home. You know, when I was hairdressing, I wanted silence on the drive home because I had just spent all day talking about everyone's problems and I didn't wanna just even think or have to speak a word. Whereas as a flight attendant on the way home, I really wanted loud music. Like I just wanted something that felt like me. Podcasts weren't really much of a thing back then or I would have a phone call with someone on the drive home. And so if you've lost your transition period, you might feel like you just can't catch up on things because you're just getting whiplash from one mode to the next mode to the next mode. So do you need to, can you insert some sort of transition period, even if it is two minutes, you know, it's going to the bathroom and running really cold water over your wrists and just breathing and saying to yourself like a mantra about current moment, only moment, or just putting your mind where your hands are, which is a great quote from someone who was on the podcast. And I can't remember who right now, but I love that one. Or the other thing to consider is the term "segment intending," which I heard from the. I heard the first time through Abraham Hicks. Which, if you're not across Abraham Hicks, um, it's all about manifesting, really. So segment intending, the way I understand it, is just about noticing when you're entering a new part of your day. And I need this because I can get so in my head. So really noticing, oh, okay, I'm now in the car, which sounds so stupid because I know I'm in the car, but just being like, oh, I've entered a different part of my day and letting my mind catch up with where my body is. Or, okay, the boys are asleep now. I'm entering a different segment of my day. Or... I'm at the, you know, in the pool with the kids, I'm at the park, just, I find that really helpful with being present and bringing my mind to the current situation. So if you're not leaving the house for work, um, or you're not working right now, or you are, whatever, it doesn't matter, just as you go about your day, noticing when you're entering a different part of your day, and I think that helps with bringing that beginner's mindset and those beginner's eyes, which I spoke about earlier, because Rather than holding on to emotions and thoughts and feelings and ruminating over stuff that's going on for us, really being pre- present and cognizant of what's going on currently helps you to notice things, you know, and one of my friends said this to me that she's been doing this a lot. You know, she said when she knocked on my door, it was a really rainy day and she'd brought coffees over and she was like, I'm just pretending that like we're in Canada and I'm visiting you and this is the first time I've been to your house. Like looking at it with beginner's eyes, which might sound so silly, but it's really, really helpful. So segment intending. So um, what do we got here? We've got routines, rhythms, segment intending, having a little look and being objective about the sorts of things that you want to get in with your day, transition periods. I also want to touch on how important it is to look after yourself, look after your future self the night before. So a lot of feeling organized and just reducing that resistance that we might come up against in our mornings is to look after yourself the night before. What can you do the night before, which can be part of your transition period. It's part of that period where you're winding down, you're signaling to your body, the day is ending. So it might mean that you unpack the dishwasher so that you don't have to wake up to a full dishwasher. Maybe it means you lay your gym clothes out the night before or, um, just whatever it is, like for me, I'll give you real examples. For me, the night before, I like to get the kitchen bench clean. I can live with everything else being a bit chaotic, but I know if I come down of a morning and that bench is just full of shit, I already feel overwhelmed. So I just clear off the kitchen bench and I do like to unpack the dishwasher. I hate starting the day with a full dishwasher. Um, It's just like one of those things that you're like, oh, again, like Groundhog Day. So I like that. Um, What else? I also put a pair of socks um, next to my sneakers in the garage so that when I go to get on the stair mill, I don't have to go back upstairs because I will just get on the stair mill and do my workout in whatever underwear I've slept in the night before. So it's just easy. Like I get the kids sorted, take my robe off, take my pajamas off. I'm sure the boys, like as they get older, they're just going to die of embarrassment. Like right now they don't care. They'll still come in and talk to me while I'm working out in my underwear, but whatever. It's just less resistant. So I've got my socks in there because it sounds so silly, but even just having to go back upstairs to get a pair, um, I fill my water bottle up because again, nice bottle of fresh cold water ready to go. It's just little things. What can you do? Can you pack your nappy bag if you need to pack your nappy bag? Can you make your hit list of things that you want to do? Just what can you do to reduce resistance that can begin the night before? And you'll be surprised at how much of a difference it can make. Just spending 20 minutes the night before really can restore such a sense of calmness and control um, to your your morning, which really can set the tone because it takes up so much more effort to turn things around. You know, if you wake up and you're just hitting walls from the get-go, it's mentally more exhausting to turn that around and, you know, spin a better story First, waking up and it feeling like it is smooth sailing. So those are just a couple of thoughts for you on the old routine. I do think ultimately having a routine really can give a sense of freedom because it allows you to... Get those things in that are important to you. It allows you to address your priorities and your priorities should stem from your values. And if you don't know what your values are, again the blueprint you absolutely need it it's going to talk you through exercises to work out what your core values are you will know your top three values at least your top three to five values after you finish the blueprint which is available very very soon if you haven't yet signed up to the fray.com do that because if you sign up you will have early bird pricing and it is a really decent discount it's worth signing up to the fray.com f-r-a-e.com all right i'm going to answer a couple couple. couple of questions that have come through via Instagram. Okay, so the first one is how to get back into your toolbox when the lows go on for too long, how to start again? So I have used the term you're having a mental health toolbox before or toolkit and i have a couple of things in my mental health toolkit that i really rely very very heavily on um because i have genetic predispositioning to anxiety and depression and all sorts of things and so my mental health toolkit is imperative to my overall well-being and i encourage everyone to have their own kit like their own stack of things it could be an actual kit um but it's also just like a figurative kind of um, analogy for knowing what works for you. So if you have been experiencing lows for a while, like I, I get it. I completely understand. I know how that feels. You might need to seek some professional help, whether that's through your GP or um, a therapist. It may even mean medication for some people. It could be worth having a listen to the episode that I recorded called The Upward Spiral with Alex Korb. It is um, a conversation about his book, The Upward Spiral, which is all about moving away from depression and depressive thoughts and feelings. And that will probably be really, really helpful for you. I would encourage you to start connecting to something that you like to do. And if you have such low enthusiasm that you feel like there's nothing that you like, what is it that you used to like to do? Can you try that? And Alex speaks about, you know, the power of just doing experiments on yourself. What can you try? How can you just have a go and see what improves for you? Um, you know, exercising and going for a walk is pretty um, pretty standard for improving people's state of mind. So maybe it's just starting there with the real basics of committing to going for a walk each morning if you can. Or committing to talking to a friend about how you're feeling. Any sorts of self-soothing acts that you can access, just start trying. Don't, um, don't slip into despair. You may need to actually write down like five or ten things that you're going to commit to trying and just do it. Rather than waiting to feel like you want to do it, you're just going to do it for the sake of yeah the experiment. Hopefully that's helpful. Do you think being a child of divorce cements your fate in relationships as an adult? I don't think it cements your fate, but it absolutely impacts your belief system around marriage for sure, 100%. But no one gets out of childhood without some sort of belief. So if your parents are still together, you might have a belief surrounding what it means to still be together or what what a successful relationship looks like. What are the roles that your parents play? If you are a child of divorce, you might end up being absolutely terrified of getting married. If it's a high conflict divorce, or maybe you'll go the other way and be determined to get married and ha- married and have a really healthy relationship. Um, I don't think it cements your future because we're all so different. And you know, one person can go through a high conflict divorce and come out with a totally different attitude to someone else. So again, I think genetic. Um, Like genetic predisposition, how we're raised, our life experiences, all of that stuff comes into play there. Another question is My husband doesn't show any love, affection, or attention, but everything else is good. He won't change. I need this love and attention, but I don't know what to do. Leaving is dramatic. So I think if you've got a really good relationship, but there is a disparity there, in how you express, how you give and receive love and attention and affection, that is a workable thing as long as both people want to work on it. Because as I've said so many times, like love languages are so um, important to understand because if his love language is acts of service and he's out there providing for the family and doing all of these things, but it's not quite landing because the way you feel loved is by being touched and held and paid close attention to. It's not that the love isn't there. It's just that it's not translating. So if the relationship is good and you've said everything else is good, I would imagine then that your partner is invested and wants to make you feel loved. Because if you're in a good, healthy relationship, you want the best for your partner. You know, like no one's going to be like, oh, I really don't want my wife to feel loved. You know, that's too much. But it's just, I guess, coming at it maybe like a team, like a team approach. Hey, like this relationship is so important to me and I want, to be so in love with you in five years, 10 years, 15 years, can we do a little bit of work on this? Um, You know, you might be able to find a facilitator that works really well with him. There are all sorts of great people that do couples therapy that might just speak his language and make him feel comfortable as well as you. And it can be about open, clear communication in a way that's not like a you statement, like you're not doing this. It's more about like, I need X, Y, Z. Um, And of course, there are so many books on it, but I certainly wouldn't encourage anyone to walk away from a relationship. If it's a good relationship and the love is there, you know, everything is figure (laughs) outable, you know, if both people are willing to work at it. So that would be my advice there for whatever it is worth. And there are a few more questions, but I will leave those for the episode that I'm going to record hopefully soon with Mallory because a lot of them are about dating and family dynamics and that sort of thing. So I will get to those. I've taken a screenshot of them and hopefully I'll be able to answer them soon. In the meantime, join us in the Frey Facebook group. Go to thefray.com. Sign up. I really appreciate it. Let me know what you think of this episode. Let me know whether you love a very detailed morning routine or whether you just like some fluidity and a little bit of rhythm and whether or not the whole book ending of your day concept is helpful. I look forward to hearing from you over on Instagram.
0: This is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go. I can set you free. I got my...